Hey guys, this is Kyle Klammer. And this is Zach Welch. And this is Good Life Bow Hunter, the official podcast of the NBA. That it is. We're back again. Good to be back. Zach, how's things going out there in Wyoming? <laughs> going good. Less than a week to go. Can't really. Hard to believe it's almost time to wrap it up out here. I don't know if I'm quite ready to leave yet, but yeah, man, I saw some pictures from your stuff the other day that looked pretty epic. We up in the up in the medicine or yep. uh, medicine bow, bows, right? Yeah, I was yeah. up in the snowies. Yep. Yeah, or yeah, the snowy range. That's what it is. Medicine yep. bow National Forest. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. But uh, great. Well. Um, we're going to we're going to get to our guest here in just a second um but uh we got uh, um got Scott Lanley on tonight and we're going to have some some great stories I think and some good discussion um but first things first I'm going to have uh I'm going to have Zach just kind of run through just announcements quick I think we really just have a couple but Zach if you just want to touch on those real quick yeah, so we are – are we less than a month to the Jamboree or about a month? No, it's going be a month tomorrow, right? month tomorrow. So we're, so we're getting – No, it's a month from today. You're right, August 5th, so, yep. All right, yeah, so a month from today. Um, I'm sure there'll be something posted online or on the website or in the newsletter where you can sign up to volunteer. You're going to be looking for all kinds of people to help run, you know, sign-ups, run shoots. So uh, anybody who can sign up to volunteer, that'd be greatly appreciated. I know also there's some some new stuff going on with Jamboree this year. If you haven't seen the video that Eric and Nate made on the Facebook page, you might want to go check that out. Yeah, um, We got some good info on there. I know they're talking about doing some different stuff, like you can sponsor stakes at some of the ranges this year for $50. If you want to advertise your business or or you know anything you pretty much want, I guess. Um, but no, there's some new stuff that's going to look a little bit different this year. I think it'll be a nice addition and uh, a few more things maybe for the kids and stuff. So it'll be nice to get everybody down there and hopefully have things look a little more normal down there, have, have it more open this year. And, and, uh, it's hard to believe it's already almost time for that, but, but yeah, um, keep watching the website, the Facebook page and the newsletter and see where you can help out. Um, I know Eric and the NBA as a whole would appreciate your hand. So, yeah, no, and I just piggyback off you a little bit there, Zach, and um, you know, even just helping out just a little bit at like one of the shoots or something. I mean, just makes a huge difference because uh, you know, I'd help out with the the distance shoot or the you know aerial shoot or whatever. You know, just having an extra body there sometimes makes all the difference. And you know, Eric and um, uh, I'm sorry. Name's Nate, right? Yeah. Nate. Eric yeah. And Nate, or they can only be, um, you know, so many places at once. So. Exactly. Um, Even if it's for a couple hours, I mean that helps yeah, out huge, yeah. and it's a yep. couple hours of your time. It's not a huge deal. So. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't have to be some all day thing, you know. Like, but just go help out for an hour or two, and I mean, this can make all the difference in the world. Just making things flow right, and yeah. Anyhow, just wanted to add my two cents there that nobody cares about but that's fine (laughs) (laughs) anyways um well good enough anything else zach or i don't think so nothing that i can think of anyways okay awesome um well perfect well with that i think we'll we'll just jump right in here um 
so like I said, we've got Scott Lamley on this evening. Um, Scott, do you just want to go ahead to introduce yourself? Um, tell us where you're at, what you're doing. Maybe just give us a little background on you, how, um, how you got to know about the NBA, those types of things. Like just uh, that's that's a lot in one sentence there, but uh, do do your best. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I currently live in Bicklemon, Nebraska. I work for Dundee County Stratton Public Schools as a 7th through 12th grade life science teacher, and I'm also now the AD. Um, they took me out of coaching a couple years ago to take on that role, and I'll do that for one more year, and I'm going to retire And uh, after the conclusion of this year. Um, I got into bow hunting when I was 15, uh, shot a doe right off the bat, trying to follow in Bryce's footsteps at the time. Um, I think he – I don't think any of the other brothers had started bow hunting yet, and so wanted to be – doing everything that he was doing. Um, I think it was maybe my senior year when the uh, one of the first NBA banquets was going on um, in the old Ramada Inn. And uh, Bryce and I went out, and of all people we got to sit with was uh, Lyle Prell. And Lyle was always one of my favorite people at everything NBA. Um, but listen to his stories and everything else, and of course I was already in love with bow hunting, but here's this guy doing trips and traveling and killing stuff and telling the story of a Shirus moose. I remember him talking about all the trips out with all the meat and wanting to do all that. Um, but uh, that's kind of where it all began. And of course I went to UNK and hunted on the islands um, over to the West there and all that public land and um, continued on. And anyway, ended up out here in Binkelman was planning on staying out here for five years, shoot five big mule deer and, I shot a bunch more than that. And so I stayed. <laughs> the plan seriously was to stay out here for five years. And at the conclusion of five years, we had a couple of kids on the ground and I was like, all right, I guess we're staying. And yeah. so now I'm going to retire. So here we go. Awesome. Tell us, uh, you know, I know, I know you, um, maybe your first job is, uh, is being a teacher and AD, but I know you do a lot of, uh, a lot of taxidermy stuff too, Scott. Talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, when we had our first kid, uh, Tracy was going back to school at the time. And so we essentially had one income coming in. And so at the time I had to do something I had to, to, to supplement. And so I started doing the taxidermy business. So I do Monarch custom taxidermy and, um, tradition initially it was like 50 jobs a year and that was it. That was the only thing I could handle. Well, these last, I don't know, three, four, five years, we bumped it up to about a hundred jobs this year. I've got 120 and um, I'm going to go full-time next year and uh, continue with that and just about anything worldwide, uh, mostly mammal. I don't tell anybody that I do pheasants and quail, but I do occasionally do one. Um, I do a <laughs> fair number of <laughs> What's that? I said, uh-oh, words out now. Yeah, I know, especially when you could do two or three birds in a day. I don't know why I don't do it, but um, the um, – and then I do uh, snakes also, um, snakes and alligators and crocs and things like that. But uh, um, anyway, that's that's where that took off, and that's where I'm going to go after this coming year. Yeah. How'd you learn how to do that, Scott? Just kind of sell that, and didn't somebody show you? No. That? Um, you know, for all of those years back, and even late high school, early college, I was asking one tax nervous after another um, if they teach me. None of them would. Um, all back then, it was so secretive, and nobody would help you with anything. And then I had moved out here, I think my first or second year, and I finally contacted a um, Jim Cossack from Great Plains Taxidermy in Schuyler. 
and he had just won the Nebraska best all around. And he's like, heck yeah, come back. And so I spent a week with him, did a couple of deer heads, came home, practiced on some more deer heads. Then you start dealing with uh, um, other taxidermists. And by that time, it, things had changed. Uh, people are way more open. People are way more willing to talk and teach and help and, and guide you and get involved with like the Nebraska Taxidermist Association. Uh, they do seminars. They do uh, um weekend getaways and things like that where they'll teach an individual say a bird or a fish or a deer or whatever um and so that's where it's just taken and now we're almost 1800 mule deer heads later and about a thousand white tails and a couple hundred bears and <laughs> yeah and so by now you're just like all right now you fine-tune it and, and yeah. uh, start dealing with some of the strange stuff like africa you just research and you talk to people who do it because yeah. um, the African stuff is special because it's so skinny and the everything with the hides, the ears, everything is different. It's nothing like the North American game. And so uh, anyway, that's how, how I got it. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome, man. I, I would have never thought that, they'd, that it'd be any different, I guess, over there versus, I mean, I feel like they'd all be mammals. But I mean, I, I guess I should, shouldn't say that because, I mean, I know like antelope versus a deer. I mean, their hair and stuff is so, so different. But um like a pronghorn antelope i mean yep yep um, yeah but uh anyways yeah that's interesting but so it uh just kind of blossomed and here you are gonna go full time yep. they said full time next year huh that's yep. starting about may 25th it'll be full time so yeah awesome do you, do you do it all yourself or do you have anybody helping you out uh, right now i'm doing it all by myself but uh to get through rifle season it's getting to the point where you're gonna have to have somebody else right. And so get some high school kid in or something like that to help skin and get it done. Um, there's some days you get eight or 10 on the floor. Ooh, that's a long day. And I don't put anything in the freezer. And yeah. so, yeah, I suppose once you start, you kind of got to, you got to keep going. Really <laughs> well, we got two Colorado rifle seasons, a color, Kansas rifle season and a Nebraska rifle season. Yeah. You're and right. So, in the corner there. <laughs> you know, there's what five weeks that yeah. you are just one after another. Yeah. Well, I, I sure enjoy seeing your, your pictures on your Instagram and stuff. You got, I mean, obviously it's all quality work and you do a great job. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I just always enjoy looking at those. So anyways, but thank you. Um, awesome. Well, you know, you kind of, uh, one thing I definitely wanted to get to and really, uh, talk about, um, well, I guess let me back up just a minute, but you know, you mentioned you were at uh, one of the NBA banquets and um, you just want to talk about, um, you know, just, you know, have you been to NBA stuff over the years? What, what types of things, you know, have you been involved or et cetera, et cetera, just to um, sure. touch on that. Um, we never missed a banquet in the early years um, and Jamboree. We went to every single one of them. Um, even when my wife and I got married, that was like a big thing to go to both of those, meet everybody, uh, both of your guys' as parents, um, knew both of them, uh, ran around with a bunch of those different guys. Um, but the, when we had kids, things really changed and Tracy being in college really changed. Mm -hmm. And so there was about a four year cycle there where we never, we couldn't afford to go any, to any of it. And then you get kids starting to do the summer stuff and the fall stuff. And you were gone every weekend to basketball or volleyball or running or something. And so I haven't been in a little while. Um, at one time I was a secretary. Um, I was also an area rep. 
I don't know, I think four years for the one and maybe eight, 10 years on the other. Um, but uh, right now it's reading the newsletter and, sure. and catching up that way and the uh, website and this stuff, the, you guys' uh, little program here and, and keeping in contact. It's kind of fun to hear when you guys are talking to the old timers. That whole crew that's <laughs> either older than me or my age. And he's listened to that whole crew that I kind of followed in behind or was with. And it's kind of fun to catch up on that, on what they're doing now. Yeah, no, it, it's been kind of a journey um, doing this. And I, I really enjoy it. I wish we could, I wish we could do more, but it just, I mean, Zach's so busy with school and I got a little girl and it just, you know how it is. But so we try to, we try to at least do one a month for sure, but it just, you know, it ends up, you're just kind of doing the best you can, but we try yeah, to. Just, yeah. Don't make it a job, make it fun. Yeah. yeah. We try to yeah. keep it pretty lively, but yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, you know, so kind of going along with that, I mean, you, you said you, started bow hunting um when you're 15 shot a doe and just kind of never looked back did you um you know did when you first started did you think oh man this is something i'm gonna do forever and, and oh yeah stuck? yeah oh yeah i absolutely fell in love with bow hunting everything bow hunting too of course back then the arrows were affordable and if it was a rabbit if it was it didn't matter what animal was out there if it was legal it was being shot at um, I hate to say how many arrows are up in those hills around Morse Bluff, um, where I grew up and, uh, um, no, everything. And I couldn't wait to, you know, get, be financially able to take off and go to Colorado. And of course, back then, Colorado had that August 15 opener. So you could go hunt alpine deer in full velvet and elk in full velvet and get them in the giant herds up on top. Um, so yeah, I, that early, those early years, I just love it. And even to today. Um, it's still, of course, I'm able to broaden out a little bit today, but, um, I, there's, I can't wait to get going. That's it's seriously, that's what's on my mind all the time. Yeah. Same, same here. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, before we got on, I was already planning on the, the next trip with the guy that I just went hunting with. So, uh, we were already talking about that. So. Right. Yeah. If you aren't on a trip, you're you're planning or preparing yeah. for the next one, it seems. Yeah. You are plotting and scheming and you are thinking and how you're going to pay for it and how you're going to get there. Yep. That's right. Yeah. You got to though. I mean, that's, you know, it, uh, you got, you got to live in the moment and live in the day to day, but you also got to have this, you know, have dreams and, and think big and have plans and, you know, do, do those things too. I think that's, that's good. But, um, well, you just mentioned you got back from a hunt. You want to, uh, you want to tell us about that, Scott? Sure. Um, my wife and I just got back from African Arrow Safaris with Harry and Charlene Nell. Um, it's in the northern um, region of, of South Africa in what's called Limpopo. Um, they have the main ranch itself is 100,000 acres plus, and then across the road is another 100,000 acres. At the end of the at the end of the road, which is like 16 miles away, is another 40 or 50,000 acres. That's their family land. And so you get on this property, you just go and go and go and go, and you can't believe what you see. And he's also incredibly hardcore bow hunter. Um, he's got a handful of very large North American species. Um, he's trying to open up an outfit down in Australia. And so the guy just absolutely loves it. And on top of it, um, he, when you, when you get into camp, he just absolutely 
uh, wants to put the biggest, the oldest, and there's more than often you'll get an animal comes in, he's oh, that's not old enough. You know, how old is that? Oh, that's eight years old. That's a pretty old animal. And he's like, no, is he, he can still eat. He's still breeding. He's, no, we leave that one alone. And we want the oldest animals. And, and so when you, I, I always said when you're, um, when I go on these hunts that it's never, life is way too short to go to the same place twice. I've been to this place three times. I'm going again in two years. It's that incredible. I'm serious. It is that incredible. You, you can't believe what you see and how much you see and what walks by on any given day. But anyway, we go over there May 25th or 26th and it's early fall there. It's still leafed out. I've never been there that early, but my friend's dad was uh, um, dying of cancer and he was going to go with us and he ended up dying just before we went over and so we had bumped that trip up as early as we possibly could to get in to hopefully get him there um but anyway we celebrated his life while we were there and all of us hunted and had a good time and um but anyway we hunted there for 10 days and got some more animals yeah yeah what uh tell me tell me about some of the things that yeah that you're hunting or what was kind of some of the goals going over there and uh, um yeah Okay, so this is my fourth trip to Africa, third with Harry, and um, I have always wanted to shoot a Cape Buffalo and a brown bear, and I shot the brown bear three or four years ago um, up in Alaska. We could see Mount McKinley in the distance, and, and what a trip. I mean, just amazing having an animal 15 yards away and, and dunk the arrow, and so going over there this time, I told the guy that I, I seriously, everything I want is to go into this um, uh, Cape Buffalo done deal and so uh um, you get up in the morning you take off you uh walk go to the water holes the water tanks and you find um where the buffalo come in and, and watered and he'll make loops and he'll walk out two three four hundred yards come back and he's ah no big bulls so we go to the next water hole and walk around and, oh here's the bull we want let's go and he literally looking at tracks in the sand and he'd find the one that we wanted to chase and so you'd spend the morning trailing them just following them off through the woods and uh, eventually at some point in time would hear a stick break and then you got serious everything slowed down you got to stalking and you would think this animal is really dumb because you watch it on on the youtube or whatever and they're always shooting them on the water holes uh, this animal is so on edge the entire time and he's got his little buddies and they're all of his little buddies are 100 yards 50 yards 200 yards away from him and he knows exactly where they all are so if you break a stick or drag through the grass or something like that, he knows it's not them. And they just explode. They don't even stop and look. They just go. And uh, so we spent 10 days. My last day got in to 42 yards. And monster walked by. And we dunked him in the <laughs> double lunged him, high double lung. And he went forever. And I don't know, 8, 10, 12 miles later, we caught up to him and finished him off. And wow. you, you, you can't believe how much blood was on the ground and hanging in the trees. And that animal just kept going. And it was like, no big deal. Not water, not laying down, not anything. But it was also kind of interesting walking with a guy with a rifle at the ready the entire time, the entire trip, the entire hunt, uh, when you're walking through the woods. And every time you went up to a thicket, you sat there and you looked in the thicket for five minutes. And then you went circled the, the thicket side to side to side and then you went around the thicket and picked up the trail on the other side and then you went again until you get to the next thicket and that's all day and all afternoon and until we got that bull but uh anyway so i got my dream bull um 
couple days earlier than that, we got a draft. Um, when you gear up for the Cape Buffalo, the arrows are so heavy um, that you go. Ahead, most people go ahead and shoot the draft because the drafts are the um, have the thickest height of all the animals over there. And um, um, shot a draft, and um, then we also got a couple of little the flip springer and a steam buck. And I've been trying to get a steam buck for four trips now. Um, the last two trips ago, I had one bedded down 25 yards away, crawled up. He had no idea. I thought he was sound asleep when I shot. And he was 10 yards down the trail when the arrow hit his bed. And the guide was behind me going, <laughs> I told you you'd never kill one of the things with a bow. And that's how the whole, all three previous trips had been. And then this one, we saw one uh, parked. We were driving down the trail road and drove a half mile, parked and got the wind and stalked back in and found him. He was up on a termite mound and he was standing head on at 32 yards. And when I shot, he was, when I, and then he turned around, I hit him at 37 yards running straight away. Yeah. So figure out how far he moved in that time span. Of course, I'm shooting 800 grains and, and uh, <laughs> shooting a buffalo arrow on a 15 pound animal, but um, <laughs> it wasn't going to stop. But the guy's like, oh, you finally got your steamboat. Uh. <laughs> and you carry him out like a little purse when you get up. <laughs> but uh yeah i've been trying to get a steam buck forever you it just i there's certain animals that you'll just fall in love with when you go over there and that's all the littles are just the coolest thing they are so cool yeah. um but uh anyway i'm sure we can. Going, though it sounds like i mean jesus yeah. they can uh move on a dime like that that's oh my God. insane yeah uh the clip springer um this trip is a little bit different because I've been there before, really comfortable with the people, and I fully trust everything they they would do or say on any given day or at any moment. And so uh, oh, the one morning our guide comes out, and I'm like, Quist, what are we doing today? And he's like, I'm not telling you. Just grab your stuff, grab your wife, and let's go. And so I jump in the vehicle, and we leave the ranch and take off, and we just keep driving and driving. And an hour and a half later, we're like, oh, we're going to the mountains. We're hunting mountain animals today. He's like, yeah. And he wouldn't tell me which one, but we got in there. We found a water hole, checked out a couple of them. And he's like, all right, we're going to kill a uh, clip springer or a mountain reed buck today. And he said, let's go make a blind. And we, it's just like whitetail. I went over and made a blind and, and set up. And, and uh, a couple hours later, a clip springer walked in and done deal on him. But, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's so much fun. And there's so, so many animals. Um, I, I, I hate to tell people how to do their trip. But I'm not so sure I, you just don't tell your outfitter, I'm going to spend this much money. I don't care what I shoot, but I, I will get over there and I'll fall in love with something and then just go from there. Or I told the guy that I left this time, I said, next year I'm, or next time I come, I'm just going to tell you what my budget is and then you surprise me. I don't even want to know what I'm going to hunt until I get there because um, there's so many animals. Um, but yeah, um, good times, man. That is so much fun over there. It yeah. seems like it. Now, now, Scott, not a lot of people who hunt in Africa talk about eating it. You just don't hear about some of the stuff they eat over there. I know, like, obviously, like the giraffe and stuff. I, I imagine that's not very good. But how, did you eat any of the game over there? How does it taste? I mean, I, I honestly think I've eaten everything that I've shot over there. Really? Um, I don't know on the draft. They were grinding it. And that was yeah. that's two tons of grinding. Um, <laughs> I remember laying beside the draft we're standing there and his chest is almost as tall as me laying on the ground he's almost to the shoulders anyway and I remember asking the guy so what's this thing weigh and he's like oh easily two tons maybe two and a half tons easily 
And <laughs> but that's the only one I don't think that I've eaten. Um, I've had elephant biltong and I've had hippo biltong over there too, with the dried version of it. Um, but um, absolutely everything's amazing. Um, Impala to me is the best, and then Gemsbach is good. Um, Kudu is really good. Sable is really good. Um, but uh, they grill everything. They there's the meals that you have here is it's very similar to what they're having over there. There are some yeah. traditional stuff that they'll do like every Sunday at this outfit, they do some old traditional things, some family thing that they do. And it's always over the fire and um, the guides and, and the clients and everybody's sitting around the fire while they're cooking and stuff. So yeah, the food's amazing. Breakfast is not big enough for me. So I'm always, all right, we need some eggs. We got to have something better. Than this. I'm going to be sitting there all day. We got to have something better than a, a piece of toast. I just don't work this way. So, uh, exactly especially yeah. if you're chasing after buffalo for 12 miles that's not oh yeah bad. yeah <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> have you had any close encounters with like you know big cats things like that I mean, um so okay a couple of cat stories for you um i had never seen a leopard till this trip and so we were driving down from the north country where we were hunting the clippy and bush bigs and we were driving through a nature conservancy on the way down and the guy and I were just chatting away and my wife's sitting immediately behind me because she's always worried about being in her, in her seatbelt. And a leopard walks across the road in front of us and it happens so stinking fast that we're like, oh, and it's one of those like bush roads with the trees right beside the edge of the road. I mean, like five feet off the mirrors. And you looked, I could look out my window and I could see the leopard, you know, five feet away from me walking up the bank right beside me. And of course, my and it happened so fast. Chris and I are like laughing, like, <gasps> and then it's gone. Like, oh, it's a leopard, and we're going nuts. And my wife's like, oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> and so, like, oh yeah, it was a leopard. And of course, that's all we could talk about all the way home or all the way back to the main lodge. And then the next day, we went back up there to continue hunting bush pigs. And to hunt bush pigs is just like hunting pigs in Texas. It's a corn feeder with a red light, and the corn feeder goes off at a specific time and the red light you're sitting in and of course you're sitting in one of our uh, turkey blinds you know with the cloth outer back side and we just cover it with brush and uh, so we're 15 yards away from this corn feeder and seven o'clock the, the thing doesn't go off and it's just blackout I mean just inky scary black there's the baboons have shut up the birds have shut up even the frogs and stuff like that in the swamp behind us have stopped talking and um, then up on the mountain, you heard a leopard cough. And we're sitting so close in that blind, I just remember reaching over and grab, you, you communicate by squeezing each other's knees. So I reached over and grabbed my guide's knee and I squeeze and he nods his head and they're like, he knows what it is. Well, I didn't relay that back to my wife. My wife's hearing isn't all that good anyway. And a little bit later, nothing's happening. And you're just staring at that red light. And all at once, there's whiskers poking into the edge of that red light. And then there's a nose, and then there's eyes, and then there's a set of ears. And that's as far as it comes. And I'm just looking at it going, well, that's not a pig. And I was so expecting a pig, and I just kept looking at it, but that's not a pig. And I looked, and all at once I realized it's laying on the ground, and it has never taken its eyes off the blind the whole time. And all at once it stands up, turns sideways, and leaves. And they're like, oh, there's a leopard. Oh, my God. And I just remember grabbing the guide's leg, and he grabs my leg at the same time. And we're whispering in each other's ears. We're like, leopard leopard and my wife's like leopard. she didn't see it so the leopard's gone <laughs> so we're like we're not gonna see any pigs tonight 
And all at once, you know, now it's 10 minutes later, and all at once you hear the grass right, side, right outside the blind, right beside the guide, swish. And everything, I mean, the guide and I are like, oh, and we're frozen. 10 minutes passes, now it's a couple feet closer. And it just keeps circling the blind. About 20, it's about 25, 30 minutes for it to go all the way around the blind. And it was inside of eight yards, the tracks were. <laughs> my wife still has not realized that this is happening. And she's sitting immediately behind me. At one point, it's probably six yards from her. And then it, it goes around right beside me. And then it walks right up into the blind. And it all starts walking up the mountain then and disappears. Yeah, it's gone. We couldn't see it. And uh, corn feeder goes off. And oh, my God, we, everybody come out of their chairs. It just scared me to death. And, uh, <laughs> and then it's like two seconds later, you can hear the bush pigs coming in. And just and they sound like leopards are growling and snapping and one of them is bluff charging the blind because um, it'd gone downwind and they eventually get in and then I blew the shot and um, yeah don't go over there without lighted sight and if you're in a bush big tonight that was dumb <laughs> I will be doing another bush big hunt in the future <laughs> on the the other cat story for you the uh, the previous trip we were hunting bush bucks and had a great big bush bug come into the water hole. He turns sideways. I shoot him. He runs off. And of course, now I'm celebrating because the bush bucks are, they're a little iffy on getting, they, they're a little jumpy on the string. Uh, you never know if they're going to jump or not. So you're always aiming really, really low. And uh, oh, anyway, he runs off. We wait 20 minutes, slip out, start tracking. And uh, you can hear hyenas off in the distance. And of course, I'm like, hey, I've heard that on Lion King. And just going on, and pretty soon you hear the a lion doing that big, like, look at the guys, like, and they're, of course, they're hamming it up. And it's, I don't know, a mile away, half mile away. I don't know how far it was. And of course, we walk in there, we find the bush buck right away. And of course, they stop. Well, it comes to find out it's somebody's pet that was on the next ranch over. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they weren't telling me that until we got back in the vehicle. But that was pretty cool. Just, like, oh, yeah, this is stuff I read about. And it turns out some guy's little pet that he's taking care of. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh man two things i wanted to selfishly ask you about because two things two of the species that i've always really thought were really really neat this is just my own personal opinion but have you ever killed a uh i guess i don't know what the proper i've heard you know both uh both uh names for them and i, I they might actually be two separate species but a gemsbuck versus an oryx are they the same thing different things um um i've never heard them talk about it, the oryx they always say gemsbuck over there i think the fringe-eared oryx is north it looks exactly like it um, i think it's just a regional thing honestly um but i shot one on my first trip um and uh it's hard to pass them up all the time uh because this last trip i think i had a herd of 40 on me uh, a couple of monsters too in the 42 to 44 inch range and then uh um in fact the guide's like you should shoot that one i know i should but i'm not <laughs> and my wife was supposed to uh she was over there uh, she wasn't gonna hunt at all and of course they turn around hand her a bow and get out there you're gonna go hunting and uh, she wanted a zebra or a uh, gemsbach only she was just there taking pictures and having fun and uh um, she never had a chance at either one, but she had a chance at almost every other species. And then mornings that she was hunting, there was days, you know, one day we were still hunting and I, but I, 35, 40 that I could have shot at 35, 40 yards or less, um, while still hunting. And, and, uh, so no, the, or, or the Gemsbach are cool. They are really, really cool. 
God, I just thought they just looked so neat. There's just nothing else that looks like them. I don't know. Just... Yeah, you're right. And uh, they make great skull mounts, too. Okay. Straight up and down. You put them on both sides of the door. That's what my wife wanted. She wanted to shoot two of them and put them on both sides of a doorway here in the trophy room. Oh, and, uh, yeah, that's what her purpose was. That's what she wanted. That's cool. Um, and then the other one I was going to ask you about, which I, I feel like is kind of the, the quintessential – African species almost is kudu. Yeah. Um, what uh, have you have you have you shot one of those? And t- tell us about that. I mean, what, um, so on my first trip over there, I, we were hunting with Dries Vissers, which is a good operation. It's uh, maybe a third as big, maybe a fourth as big as this operation. Uh, you'll see a lot, and you'll see a lot of. It's kind of like hunting Iowa for whitetails or Nebraska for whitetails. It's kind of, that's the difference between the two. Um, you're gonna see some really nice ones. I ended up shooting like a 50 incher and perfectly happy and then you go over to this other operation and they're like you know that's that's a small one it 55 walks in and one of the nights we were trying to kill a cape buffalo we had just moved on to a water hole and just spent the rest of the afternoon evening on a uh, for cape buffalo and had a giant kudu come walking in um the guy says uh, that's a 58 you should shoot that <laughs> i know i should but i'm not gonna <laughs> and it was big 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 and i think i've had 56 to 58 inch kudu every year that I've been over there and two I've had two different buddies that have hunted that camp with me and one of them killed a 60 and one of them killed a 58 while over there and they say a 60 inch uh, kudu is equivalent to a 400 inch bull elk and so uh, and so to put it in perspective and so when you see, get there on Instagram you're like oh my god that's a big one and they turn around and they say 60 you know what it is it, that's pretty impressive um, but the kudu are so big 700 pounds, really, really long-legged. And so it reminds you of an elk, but they're more, I don't want to say stately, but they walk more stately. Yeah. They're way more in control where an elk gets a little crazy in the rut and stuff. It seems like the cootie are always under control. And uh, yeah. I don't know, they're cool. Uh, that was the first animal I saw this year on the trip. At a, probably a 50-inch walk into the water. One of the man, those suckers are cool. They are so pretty. They just, they just look so magnificent. I don't know. They're just something. Yeah. They're just, those, I mean, that's another thing. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things in Africa that there's nothing else that looks like them, but you know, Gemsbuck and Kudu, you know, those, those spiral horns on the Kudu. Yeah. Like, it's like, I think, I think so. the Kudu would probably have to be at the top of my list if I yeah. had one thing over there. The, um, so I had uh, two buddies from Utah that went up with Tracy and I, and there was another group there that we split camp with during the um, 10 days. Um, they left on the fifth or sixth day. Um, but, um, if you asked all four of us what their favorite animal was over there, every one of us is going to come up with something different. Um, I, the zebra just turns, it turns me on smartest animal over there. Um, it's, really? it's zebra. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, without a doubt. And if he walks into the water, you shoot, even if it's, you've shot 10 of them, you shoot because you don't know if you'll ever see one the rest of your life. Um, it's, it's that crazy. Uh, my second trip over there, I'd already gotten my zebra on the first trip and very first day, a whole bunch of Eland are running in and here comes a, a group of three or four zebra and the guy's like, get your bow. And I was like, why? Because at the time like, there was all cows and young bulls in the water hole. And he's like, there's zebra coming in. Oh yeah. You just grab your bow because you don't know if you'll ever get another chance at them. Um, they'll literally stand out two, 300 yards from the water hole and stand there for eight to 10 hours looking at the water hole and not move. And not twitch, other, other than their ears. They're, they will stare at that water hole and watch every other animal drink. 
come in, do their business. And if one of them spooks, they'll just turn around and walk away and it's over. And uh, yeah, the, so like for me, the zebra really, really does it um, for me. I love the kudu um, and I love the big stuff. A giant, giant Elon bull is amazing. Um, I watched a, a really big Elon bull go over an eight foot fence from a stand and clear it without touching it. <laughs> so 2,000 pounds straight up and down. <laughs> you can almost feel the ground shake when it hit. And I looked at the guy and I'm like, oh my God, I don't think he's supposed to do that. And he's like, no, he's not supposed to do that, but they do it all the time. <laughs> and so we just, we backed up then. And pretty soon here comes some farmer driving down the road and that Elon just turned around right back up over the fence. And it's crazy how amazingly athletic. But uh, I think Tracy would turn around and say, again, it's a zebra. Um, I know the guys from uh, um, Utah, one of them loved um, the uh, um, springbuck, and the other one loved the uh, um, kudus also. And so, yeah, you're all going to walk over there and just go, oh, my gosh, those are cool. Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what, what's like, the camp setup, lodging? Like, what, what, what does that all look like, Scott? Just, just um, I mean, you, you've been so, races, so you kind of know. The main lodge is kind of shaped like an L, but there's like an eating area with that's underneath a um, a giant, I don't know if it's a leadwood tree or thornwood tree or something like that, that the actual house is built into. And so the tree is actually growing through the house and poking out through the roof. And, um, and then there's a bar out front, fire pit in between. And then the uh, the rooms where the guys stay are off just on the edge of that lodge and then um, kind of wrapping around. and one of the places had an outdoor shower. Ours had a giant jacuzzi tub in it um, with like the bathroom recessed down into the ground. Every room has its own bathroom, has its own shower set up. Um, it's four and five star. Um, it, it, and it's crazy cool. I mean, really, really fun. They get out of the vehicle and somebody's like, hey, what do you want to drink? And they'll remember what you had the last night for the drinks and they'll be handing you one as you put your bow up and hang it up outside of your, um, your room or whatever. And, Every room's got a little hook for your bow to hang on. No, that's cool. It's it's amazing. Is that the company that comes to the banquet? I thought you said the name. No, that's um. Okay. I didn't know for sure, but no. I, um, I thought the name was pretty similar, but um, Wild this, Africa. This, Wild Africa. Yeah, I think that's Wild Africa that's coming there. And you went to where? Did you say uh, African Arrow Safaris? African Arrow Safaris. Oh, okay. um, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it's, it's, it's so big. I, I'm telling you, it, we were driving down the highway the one day that borders on the, be on the north side of the ranch. And then the guy says, well, the ranch starts right here. 20 miles later, we were turning to go down the front side of the ranch. So, I mean, put that in perspective at 20 miles and then 16 miles later, you hit the other end of the ranch. So a 20 mile by 16 mile chunk, that's the main ranch. Jeez, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I asked the guy, hey, uh, do you ever drive down this road and just see an animal you've never seen before? He's like, every day. He's like, other than we get up in the helicopter, and even when you get in the helicopter, most of these animals don't, they just duck underneath the tree. You don't even know they're there. Really, the only ones you can sense this really easy are the uh, um, giraffes. And, uh, um, but, uh, um, no, I, yeah, he's, we, the second, no, third trip over there, we're sitting in a big um, blind. I'm pretty much out of money. And he's turned around. I take visa. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But uh, you could hear an eland coming and their hooves snap. There's a little hook at the end of the, of the uh, um, hoof. And when they walk, it clicks. 
and you can hear it two, 300 yards away when it's coming. And he kind of leans over to me and he says, get ready. It's a giant. And I said, how do you know? They don't, the, the little ones don't make noise like this one is. And it comes, 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 and comes walking in. And we had kind of a rule. If it was one through 10, 10 was a world record. Eight was a shooter. And you had to make a decision. Well, he didn't say anything. And I was, I already killed an Elon before. And so I wasn't necessarily interested, but I could tell that this thing was pretty extreme. And <laughs> he's in the mud hole, he's rolling, he's pushing mud all over the place. The animal's absolutely covered in mud. 10 minutes later, it walks out. And of course, I'm with my phone and I got video of the thing doing its job. And as it walks out, he leans over, he goes, 10.5. And like, no way. He says, I shot the world record once. That is 10.5. That is bigger than the one I killed by a whole long shot. I'm like, oh, crap. I'd probably shot if I'd have known that. <laughs> And it was 30 yard broadside, man, for a long time. Um, yeah. 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 I suppose that's great. You know, for, for us, like going over there, I can imagine that would be exceedingly difficult to know, like, yeah. Yeah. how big something is. I mean, because, um, yeah, you know, I, I see, you know, I, I'll, you know, let's see pictures from your trip or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, it looks, you know, it looks like a, you know, a nice animal. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, it just is. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a foreign concept to us, but I mean, obviously, you know, I, I don't know if maybe the same would hold true if they came over here and hunted whitetails, you know, I, or, mm -hmm. or, or, or antelope or something, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it would. There's definitely certain species that you have no clue on. I mean, especially like the real generic ones like Blessbach and Impala. But if you look at an Impala, if it's a really, really big one, his tops will tip out and it'll tip out a lot. And you'd be looking at it going, he doesn't look like any of the other 80 that you've seen. And all once you'll see one with his tips pointing out, that's probably the one that's a big one. That's an adult that's got some age. And, and that's the one that they're probably going to push you to, to shoot at anyway. Um, Gemsbach, the horn should be as long as from the base of his toes up to his shoulders. That'll be a 40-inch bull. And so you start, every, as soon as you figure that out, you start bracketing. You put your fingers up, you're holding it out, of, you know, out in front of you going, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> Because you're learning every day when one walks by, you're like, well, that's a big one. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, you'll uh, – wildebeest, anything outside the ears um, is pretty big. My buddy that was over with us from Utah, he killed one that was five and a half inches outside on both sides of his ears. I'm like, oh, when it come in, I say, man, you have no idea. That thing is huge. And, of course, the outfitter and the guide are, like, nodding their head, like, oh, yeah, this is the real deal. That's a monster. And so, yeah, you kind of figure it out. And that's probably, that's another one of those things. It's so much fun. You know, your first time you go hunt antelope, first time you go hunt elk, first time you go hunt whatever, you know, you, that learning is just amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. How many animals do you see a day? Like just hundreds, um, thousands? So I didn't keep track. Uh, no. Um, so I didn't keep track this year because we spent so much time stocking. I probably spent 10 day hunt, 10 and a half day hunt. I probably stocked and still hunted eight days total and so i didn't see nearly as many as i have seen in the past but i have kept track on all the previous trips um all three previous trips i had between 400 and 500 animals at 20 yards or less broadside i only kept track of those who offered me a shot and i kept track of everything from babies all the way to adults when i did that and so a typical day cloudy cold windy you might see 20 um a nice hot dead calm day you might see 200 
It's a lot of animals. I know. <laughs> I, know. I know. And especially when you haven't seen them, you know, so you get really excited. And you're like, oh, that is cool. And you're trying to take pictures with your phone and everything else. And those guys are like, yeah, I've seen this every day. No, like, don't take it for granted, man. This is so much fun. Yeah. That's cool, man. You got me all, you got me all jazzed up about it now. <laughs> <laughs> Going back in two, man. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I know, uh, I don't want. I know Kyle's wanting to talk about it. I'm wanting to talk about it. I don't mean to switch gears too much. No, you're fine. I know we're dying to hear about it. We talk about you know, compared North American animals to African animals, and it's on our mind. We want to hear about this uh, this adventure last year. This elk. That, uh, I'm sure everyone listening to this has probably seen. You want to want to dive into that a little bit for us? Um. Sure. Um. So most, a lot of the people know anyway that I had applied for ever and ever and ever. That was my 28th year of applying. Uh, my d- wife had drawn that tag the previous year at tw- 21 or 22 years of applying. And so I was excited because I had found places, had talked to a million people, had driven, I don't know how many thousand miles to scout. And so I felt like I was ready when I drew my tag. But then I drew, got that uh, AD job. And so I was going to have to be at every athletic event. But we also had a new superintendent who was a bow hunter. And I, before school, I go in and talk with him. And I was like, dude, I finally drew this tag. And he had never even applied for the elk tag. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is like the epitome of, of tags in the West. This is the, the tag. And he's like, I'll cover for you. And so I only had to cover, cover a couple of events. And um, so those are the, I, the two volleyball games that I had to watch. Um, were the only two days that I missed out of the first 19 days of hunting. And most of the elk are about an hour and a half to three and a half hours away. And so I could leave school and drive really fast, especially once you turn north at Trenton, because there's no cops north of Trenton. And you could, you could go really fast. And if you got on the dirt road, you could drive even faster. And you could get up into that country um, and be able to hunt the last half hour to 45 minutes before dark. And that's when most of the action is. And so um, anyway, I had scouted all of August, had talked to a, a jillion landowners. And last year, it seemed like every landowner had one to three, um, had one to three landowner tags. In fact, the main ones, Zach, the one where you hunted and where Tracy killed hers too, um, they had two landowner tags last year. And so we couldn't hunt that big bull. And oh. Um, and of course, they're like, oh, you come in after. I don't want to hunt rifle. I want to hunt with a bow. And so anyway, I ended up hunting a lot of public. Um, saw a lot of younger bulls um, east of the big highway um, up by North Platte. Um, had some 300-inch type stuff, 280, 300-inch stuff that Tracy and I called in. Um, had a 350 at, oh, I don't know, 45, 50 yards head on one night. Um, but he wouldn't stand still and he wouldn't turn sideways. Um, called in six bulls one time we had them inside five to 12 yards all of them um one was a big six too about a 320 uh, but he was pencil skinny and really funky horns kind of wavy out at the end and really 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 skinny horn and uh, not that i wouldn't have shot him but he just was not from the shot and uh so anyway we i had ran over all the public land up there from north platte all the way over almost to Kearney and down in the uh um like the Arapaho area all the way over into, uh, um, I don't know, the other town, Curtis and that. And uh, 
found elk on just about every place. And um, the previous week before I killed my bull, Tracy and I found this bull plus a giant six with a club on one side. And it was a big six. He was like a 380 type six with a three, four, four foot baseball bat sticking out of the other side and a couple of drop tines. And um, he's chasing him all around a big knob up on top of one of those cedar drainages. And when the sun pops, the wind shifts and it kind of goes up and down and up and down. And there's just a brief, you know, 10 minute moment where you can run in there and kill him because the wind's only going to move about eight to 10 yards in the, as it does that up and down draft thing. And so I kept telling my wife, when the sun breaks, we're going to charge in here and kill this bull. And the sun broke. We charged up in there and uh, got up, set off the trail that he'd been running that bull past. I don't know. He'd been 25 yard shot probably. And he didn't come by. He stayed over the top of the knob. So we got to the top of the knob, watched him push that bull down in the bottom of the drainage. And we just kind of got up on a big knob, I don't know, half mile away. And just kind of watched him because he kind of lost interest in everything we were doing and disappeared. And so then we moved on to a different um, public ground over by Brady and got to Colin and we called in an absolute gargantuan seven. Um, and I'm not so sure that that bull wouldn't push 400 to 420 as a typical. Um, it had beams a lot longer than the one I killed, but he didn't have number fours like mine. And we had him at 13 yards for 15 minutes. And we had him, so he, he charged in so stinking hard. It was all 11, 1130. Tracy had snuck back around the corner of this big bank that we were on, one of those knobs and those cedar canyons. And she'd gone around about 60, 70 yards and was calling. And he's bugling at her, bugling at her. And he's 13 yards away with his, with a, like a cliff bank covering all the way up to his, um, up to his um, spine. And you could see his head and six inches of his loins. And I was full draw three different times during that time. Uh, <laughs> I'm texting my wife to call to break branches. And she's texting back during this whole 15 time, minutes. And I, this bull is, and pretty soon he's screaming at her and scre not bugling anymore, screaming at her. I'm like, oh, I'm going to kill it. And almost he just stopped and he never bugled again. And he turned and he walked off the bank and he started jumping down these five foot banks. And just walked down at the bottom, went on to the other side and bedded down. And he, when I say bedded down, you can't see them. Those cedars are too thick. And so I'm like, all right, we'll come back tonight and kill it. That afternoon, the wind switched. We couldn't get in him because he was right on the property or the boundary between the public and the private. And so we just left him alone. I said, all right, we'll come back next week and kill it. So when we leave school the following week, I hunted. I didn't hunt that place during the week. Maybe I hunted there once during the week and didn't see or hear anything. Um, uh, but anyway, we came back and. Uh, Tracy talked me, I was going to hunt up by Wellfleet and uh, try to kill that 350. And Tracy she says, no, let's go hunt the big one. If we're, why waste our time? We're going to camp up there anyway. So we drive up there, park, and jump out. And we got about 45 minutes before darkness and ran in about a half mile, got up on a knob, and I bugled. And back where the truck was on the other side of the road, he bugles. I'm like, oh get back there and we just like it's too late can't work him so I kept bugling kept bugling kept bugling and he was cutting me off and I looked at my wife and I said, I'm pretty sure we're gonna kill this bull and he switched from bugling to screaming and I remember Tracy and I both looked at each other and like oh he's dead he is so dead and we just charged as hard as we could jumped the road ran right and ran right into his face I screamed at him Tracy Cal called a couple times and he screamed. And every time he tried to talk, I screamed back at him. And he, now he's screaming and I'm screaming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
and he's finally coming. He's glunking, and you should hear the videos of him coming in, and he's six yards away screaming at us. It's just screaming at us. He's supposed to walk in front of us, and he turns and he walks right up beside these, I don't know, eight to ten foot cedars. And he's going to walk behind us where Tracy's at, and so I have to take my bow, turn it around, turn a 180, and that bull is walking by at six yards. And he catches me. He turns around and kind of half jogs. Both Tracy and I cow called. I came to full draw, kneeled down underneath the cedars, and then I shot him at 20. And liver, both lungs, buried in the offside shoulder. He runs up onto the knob, wavering. And it's, Tracy and I both jumped out and ran out to the edge of the cedars so we could see him. Of course, he's got that yellow coat. And he's got his head poking straight up in the air with his rack leaning straight down. And I remember the beams were almost touching the ground. And, and it's getting pretty late. I mean, it's down in the last five, 10 minutes before legal shooting light is over. And Tracy's like, which one is that? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's the big one. I don't think it's the long beam bull. That's too far away. He wouldn't be over here. I'm pretty sure this is the other big one that we almost killed last weekend. And uh, um, we back out. We actually watched him for about 45 minutes after dark. Just kept the binoculars on because you can see the yellow. And he's waving and teeter. And he kind of almost crumple and he'd stand back up. And uh, walks up over a little knob. And I'm like, okay, private land is 100 yards away we can't push him if we go over the top we're in trouble we, we get to leave him so we just went back in town camp came back in and our crack of dawn the next morning and we walked over that knob and he was still alive about 50 yards away oh man yeah hmm. and so sneak in put one in through the goodies he stands sideways put another one through the goodies i emptied my quiver had like four arrows through the heart and lungs and about i don't know three or four minutes later he laid down and it was over and so i got four hunts for free on top of the first one so <laughs> <laughs> but those are the arrow combinations that i had planned to use last year on my cape buffalo and i never got a single arrow to pass completely through and I've never not had an arrow go all the way through an elk. Never not. I, every arrow I've ever shot at an elk previous has gone all the way through. And I was like, I'm switching arrows. And so that's why I ended up changing and went to grizzly stick and even bumped it up another couple hundred grains. And, and, uh, but anyway, so we walked up to that thing and I'm telling you 58 inch beams. Oh my gosh. There's just, that's so much fun. Yeah. That was so much fun. <laughs> and what's interesting too, is we had him, butchered in the truck except for the rack and so we were getting ready to go back up make a big deal just enjoy the last trip off the hill and, and get it in the truck and somebody from the town right there pulls up beside us and looks like you guys are hunting of course my bloody to my shoulders you know and I'm like yeah i got one he's like you want to see it and or he goes no can i see it and I said, sure well we didn't have the rack yet so he jumps out of the vehicle and he looks in the back of the truck and he's looking at it, he's like that's awful big for a deer you know it's quartered and I'm like it's an elk where'd you shoot the elk at? And I'm like, right here. He's like, there's no elk here. <laughs> As he's standing on top of elk tracks on the road. <laughs> and that, and you will not believe how many landowners that I talked to as I went through all those cedar areas. And like, Zach, you're pretty familiar with that area. Um, how many people I talked to that did not know that elk lived there and two different landowners. I'm asking for permission on, they're like, there's no elk here. And I'm like, right there and pointing off the end of the where we're standing on their driveway those are elk tracks right off the end of their lawn and they walk out there no those aren't those are elk tracks they had no idea that they had elk on their property that's crazy yeah and, yep. 
It shows you they like to stay hidden. They don't like uh, to be seen like deer. Um, what's interesting too with that big bull that the one I killed. Um, so there's a road right there, and every time and it was a Friday night, and so every time um, a vehicle would drive, and I think they're going in town to go to a football game. Um, every time a vehicle would come, when once it got within about 200 yards of that bull, he would shut up, and you could actually see him, and he would step into the brush and disappear. And then as soon as the vehicle got by, he would step back out and start bugling again. And so then I started taking cue with that too. So if I, there was a vehicle at all, I wouldn't talk at all. And so it's like him and I were in sync as long as there was a vehicle around. And it was just one vehicle after another driving by that night. It was crazy. And uh, we ended up killing that bull very close to the road. He was not very far off the road. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> And what's even cooler is that there was a bigger one that we almost killed. Yeah. Yeah. And saw, I don't know. I would bet I saw five or six bulls over 350 um, between scouting my cameras. By the way, if you guys see my cameras, I had just about all of my cameras stolen up there. Really? Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. On, all on that. And my names are on all of them. So if you see his cameras laying in somebody's back, you can check. My names are on all of them. Phone numbers, the whole nine yards, they were all stolen. They had to have some good pictures too, because I left them for the rut. Oh my god, I had elk all over them. Golly, that's crappy. <laughs> I mean, that's really crappy. Like, <laughs> what's wrong with people? I just don't get it, man. Like, gosh, that's... I don't either. At least you got the elk. If you didn't get oh, that, elk, it would have hurt a lot worse. See if you can... Off. can you see that? Oh, yeah. Tell it's a little bit to the left there. There we go. There you go. Yeah, I see it now. Yeah, that is a stud. Stud, stud. That's Tracy's bull beside it. That Colorado bull over there. That's awesome. You look pretty. <laughs> yeah, that is – that's quite the story, man. I mean – Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. You know, I, I remember uh, – you know, I remember my my dad. We went to Idaho last year, and you know, hunted for um, hunted for whatever it was. I think he was there for like I don't know, fourteen, fifteen days hunting total, and and I was there for eight or nine or ten. I don't remember, but anyways, mm -hmm. only elk I saw I killed on the last day. But that's that's not where I was going with that. But um, but the funny part was then you know it's, it was probably. I don't know, a couple of weeks after we got back and, um, my dad was, was driving north of Bassett on the old highway there, north of Bassett going across Niobar. <laughs> he says he looks out his window and here's an elk just crossing Niobar river. He's like, Oh man, I just spent all this time in Idaho and we saw like one elk and here's one just hanging out right there. I've just, I just pulled a, a camera that I put up on, it's kind of a honey hole spot, kind of gives you a quick census of what's on this property. And uh, I had it there for four months and I had more elk pictures than I had deer pictures on that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's getting to be quite the, quite the deal here. I, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, Hopefully someday I get an opportunity and look forward to it. But I'm just kind of, you know, I got a lot of time, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. If hopefully it doesn't take me 28 years, Scott. I'm not yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. Both my girls are in school, so they both told me not to apply for them because they didn't have time. So that was that was a my wife's like, no, you got it. And both of them are like, no, we don't have time. <laughs> we'll make time. Yeah. Like <laughs> we would make time. I don't know if either one of them would. They're both in love, and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, oh, that's awesome, man. Gosh, that, yeah, that oh, just something else, man. There's something about a big boy elk. I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's elk in general. I if I had to give it all up, elk would be my number one. I'd give up everything else just to hunt elk. Yeah, um, the country, the animal. I like big stuff anyway. I like where you have to process it right there and yeah. carry and get physical with it. I, that all that stuff it just turns me on. Well, and it's absolutely delicious. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, we just had our the last chunk off of mine literally last night. I cooked it on the pellet smoker, a chunk of loin, and oh my gosh, it's just oh. so good. <laughs> we just did uh, elk ribs over the weekends. So yeah, oh, yeah, about as good as you can get. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you get a lot of it too. Kill one of them, it's like getting half a beef, if not yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, um, Scott, I, I appreciate you taking your time or taking some time out of your evening here and joining us. Uh, we, uh, I don't know, I guess we'd probably better wrap it up here. I think we've been going, going for plenty which is great i mean that's that's awesome sure. i think you sure. got some good stuff so um but yeah do you got any closing thoughts or any anything else as far as uh anything you wanted to share or um nothing really i mean i go to all these camps and use you know i've helped my brother up in canada and stuff and you'll and talking to you guys being younger but um every old guy that's in camp will tell you get going now find a way right now while you're in your 20s get it done whatever ammo it is get it done and that's what happened when i was 40 that's why i started doing the extra jobs working all the time to make this happen and booking anything and everything just to go experience and go find it you can't afford sheep i mean who's going to go shoot a 60 or 70 thousand dollar sheep down in mexico or up and shoot even uh doll sheep is blown through the roof you can't even chase those anymore and uh, but you know the, the realistic stuff you know the stuff that can really you know Go live some adventure and see the world and uh, go have some fun. And I'm, that's it, everybody. If you got a chance and you want to, or you want to go experience it, go do it. So that's right. Find a way. That's right. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. We, we were just talking about that last podcast, Zach. We were just, um, we were saying how, you know, if you don't have a plan, you need to get one now for, you yeah. know, flying for you Western do. States and yeah. getting stuff in order. I mean, now is the time. Don't, you know don't I, I feel like i'm already behind and you know and i've been doing it for four or five years and i wish i had started when i was 20 you know but it just is what yeah. it is i guess so um, talked to one of my clients came in picked up a couple of deer yesterday and he had 26 points for the northwest corner of colorado and didn't draw oh did showing not draw bad, showing you how bad point creeps get across yeah. the right there yeah 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 i think i is that unit 10 no I I'm guessing it by dino, dinosaur there. Yeah, yeah. My my dad hunted that when I was in high school, um, and he drew it like twelve, I think, back then. And so yeah, you can imagine how much it's. it's yeah, no doubt. Took him twenty six, and he didn't draw. That's insane. But yeah. <laughs> nuts. That's nuts. But 
anyway, you guys are doing a good job. Keep it up. This is cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. But, uh, Thanks again. Anything else, Zach? Or got anything? I don't think so. Perfect. Well, I guess with that, uh, this is Kyle Clomer. This is Zach Welch. And this is? Good Life Bowhunter, official podcast, the NBA. Yeah, thanks again, Scott. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all.